Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. we're going to get and um you know with that comes a lot of smoke so we got to prepare for that um and i tell you no i i was gone east last week early in the morning and and that when when people tell you they can't see the front of their car that they're they're telling you the truth it is absolutely you can't see anywhere when that smoke is uh, i was trying to go around on highway 90 and i had to turn around and come home it was you know really bad so with the rain, um, you know, we can see the end of the tunnel. But with the rain, we're also going to get a lot of smoke with it. So we're going to have to be prepared for that. Absolutely. Uh, final thoughts, Guy? No, Noel, I, I appreciate you giving us an opportunity to talk to our citizens. If you're really having some problems, you know, we're asking you to stay indoors, especially in the morning. It seems with the dew, that smoke is really bad. So. I really appreciate you giving us an opportunity to talk to the citizens. Absolutely. Our pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week. Guy McGinnis, St. Bernard Parish President. We will be right back, folks. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Stay with us. We've got a lot to talk about, folks. There's a lot going on around the country. We've been talking about these issues for a long time, and they continue to reveal themselves over and over and over again. First, let's talk about this defund the police and um, uh, the decriminalization and that we over-incarcerate and over-criminalize our conduct and society today. And what we're finding in cities that really bought into this and they started this defund their police movement, such as in Washington, D.C., it's getting crazier by the day. In February, Representative Angie Craig was assaulted by an intoxicated homeless person in the elevator of her apartment. In June, aides to Representative Brad Finstad were savagely attacked after leaving the congressional baseball game. Finstad wrote uh, the following week that Washington, D.C. and cities across the country, anti-police, soft-on-crime policies have created lawless societies that endanger the public and empower criminal behavior. Couldn't have said it better myself. In early October, Representative Henry Cuellar had his car stolen at gunpoint in the Navy Yard District. As Congressman Cuellar was parking his car uh, that evening, three armed assailants approached the congressman and stole his vehicle. This has gone on over and over and over again. Well, just the other day, it got to a new level. The Secret Service agents assigned to President Joe Biden's granddaughter, Naomi, were compelled to open fire on three individuals who were breaking into the Secret Service unmarked and unoccupied SUV in the Georgetown neighborhood, which has historically been a very safe place to live. The agents witnessed three individuals breaking the window of the SUV Opening fire, no one was struck by the gunfire, and the suspects were seen fleeing in a red car, the Secret Service said in a statement released um, Monday morning. A regional bulletin was issued to find 
the culprits. The D.C. has seen skyrocketing levels of carjacking this year. Over 6,000 stolen vehicles as violent crimes have spiked over 40% since 2022 in the city. In fact, talking about that, had a pretty violent week this past week uh, in New Orleans as well. I think there were seven homicides uh, reported uh, this week in seven, in seven separate incidents. And that's a rate that has not been seen since mid-2022. Year-to-date, we've had 200 victims of homicide in 2023. Homicide remains higher than in 2019, up 108%, higher than 2020, up 30 higher than 2021, up 15. There has been a 17% reduction compared with 2022, which was one of the... Um, Worst crime rate years that we've had in a long time. Non-fatal shooting incidents, 328. There have been approximately 438 victims of non-fatal gunshot incidents in 2023. And carjackings, 130. Armed robberies, 322. Armed robbery is still 33% lower um, than this time in 2022 and 11% lower than the same time in 2019, which was one of the lowest uh, crime rate years. This is the only category of major, uh, major violent crime showing reductions compared with the past four years. You will recall um, several re- weeks ago I said, hold on. We are going to continue to have problems because we are completely overcrowded in the juvenile detention center. We are completely now at the max in the Orleans Justice Center, the adult jail, we're backing up. The dockets in criminal district court are not moving at the pace or the rate that they need to move in order to create openings in that facilities. We want the NOPD to make arrests, as many as possible. They have successfully made a lot of good arrests here over the past several weeks. We're looking to do a number of things throughout the city of New Orleans with violent crime task forces they just announced a a SWAT team unit that they will deploy and others but the problem is is the more successful we are the more we agitate the system because the system is not prepared to receive and when that happens what you typically see are crime rates go up because then we are compelled to prioritize who stays in the jail and who doesn't Do we have an objective way of doing it to try and minimize the amount of risk that's going to be placed on the constituency of this city? My answer to that is no. We've we've embarked upon that many, many years ago in Jefferson Parish, being faced with jail overcrowding. At an all-time high, we used to make over 29,000 felony arrests a year. People scratch your head. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. And they said, oh my God. Yes, and that's how we have been 
consistently being able to keep crime down. We work hard in moving cases through the court, getting them into DOC soon as possible. Why they have all these DOC inmates in the jail at the present time and they're not moving them through to the state, and if the state's dragging their feet, we need to beg the state to pick it up. We need to be on them every day. We need to be transferring inmates from this local jail to the state facility every day. Every day that we have one bed open and we can put one more thug who's wreaking havoc on the safety and security of our city, the better off we are. And why we cannot come to that realization is beyond me. There are no home runs. These are base hits that we have to do every day. Is it tough? Yes. Does it create a lot of work? Yes. Is it frustrating? It absolutely is. But this is where credible leadership steps in and makes a difference. Keeping your workforce motivated. Gaining a better understanding as to what's happening. Create an environment so that they know they come to work each and every day with the ability to make a difference. And if they just move one inmate into the state system every day, trust me, they are making a difference. This is not rocket science. It's not just busy work, though, either. We need to think about what our overarching strategy is going to be because if we're able to improve upon the arrest rates, we need to make sure that it gets us somewhere. Selective incapacitation of the impact criminal is the only way you get somewhere, especially when your assets and resources find, them state, find themselves in a state of distress. To click on all these cylinders. We have a lot going on relative to this Israeli-Hamas war. And it's just mind-boggling to me and mystifying as to what this country is doing. And there's a question that's floating out there. Are your tax dollars financing anti-Semitic language and possibly terrorism? Well, one has to wonder. There's a federal program that helps nonprofit groups protect themselves against terrorist attacks. And as a result, millions of dollars have been given to mosques and Islamic groups to fight back Islamophobia. But one big problem. The recipients of these millions of dollars are the same individuals that are out there perpetuating anti-Semitic language and talking about annihilating Jews. So one has to ask... Are we so stupid in the manner in which we are handling these programs that we don't recognize what these groups here on our domestic soil are are perpetuating hate and, in fact, rewarding them by giving them money under the auspices of protecting themselves from Islamophobia? The Department of Homeland Security awarded the California base Majid al-Hansar Mosque, $100,000 on March 9th under the Nonprofit Security Grants Program. Mustafa Kamel, the imam at Majid al-Hansar, 
earlier this year called Jews a bigoted and arrogant breed of people and prayed, prayed, hold on, that they will be annihilated in a war over the Holy Land. Then there's the Islamic Center of Detroit, which received $150,000 on October 12th of 2022. Its head imam, Imran Salah, said at a pro-Palestinian rally days after the Hamas's invasion of Israel that Muslims have a fire in our hearts that will burn that state until its demise. During a sermon in March, he referred to the sick, disgusting Zionist regime and prayed, may Allah eradicate them from existence. Feeling better about where your tax dollars are going? There's little oversight over any of these organizations that receive funding. This is all administered by FEMA and given to state agencies. A majority of the grants have gone to synagogues, churches, mosques, temples that do not support violence or promote terrorist organizations, thankfully. But we should make sure that we are drilling down to make sure that these others don't. How about giving a grant to the Islamic Center of San Diego, a mosque best known as the home of only two of the 9-11 hijackers? Days after the Hamas attack, Iman Taha Hassani defended the attack on Israel, the attack on Israel as an act of self-defense. When people are occupied, then the resistance is justified, he said in an October 20 sermon. We cannot accuse somebody who is fighting for his life to be a terrorist. No, we cannot. We cannot do that. The terrorist is the one who started the occupation, not the one who's defending himself. This mosque received $150,000 under this same grant program on August 15th of this year, according to federal spending records. Over there in Flint, Michigan, at the Flint Islamic Center, which received the big bonanza bucks, $300,000 in grants on October 12th of 2022, an Islamic scholar asserted in a sermon last month that Jews literally live for the purpose of genocide of Palestinians. These people, their businesses, have foundations just to serve their objectives. They literally live for a purpose of genocide in an occupation like this, said Shaq Abdullah Wahid. Then the Organization of the Council of American Islamic Relations. They received grants under the Homeland Security Program, blamed Israel for root causes of the Hamas attack. Its executive director, Nihad Awad, condemned President Joe Biden for criticizing Hamas. Instead, he should have criticized Israel. The Muslim American Society Chicago affiliate, they received 149000 on September 1st. This group was founded by the members of the Muslim Brotherhood, the radical Islamist group that spawned Hamas. The Muslim American Society regularly hosts anti-Semitic speakers, Yasir Qadi, an Islamic 
scholar who has said that Hitler never intended to mass destroy the Jews. In fact, he slated to speak at its annual convention next month. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that there's an obligation of FEMA and others and whatever state agencies that we are distributing these dollars to. And I certainly hope that we don't have a similar happenstance here in the state of Louisiana. It would be embarrassing that we think long and hard about these groups that we're sending U.S. tax dollars to to allegedly protect themselves from those participating in hate crimes against them. But do you really believe that we should give them money when they're perpetuating hate against the Jews? What kind of a return on our investment are we getting there? One simply has to ask, why are we doing this? We'll be right back. We'd love to hear from you. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. This is Newell on WWL. So there's a question being bannered about right now as to whether or not should student visas be at risk for students engaged in disruptive conduct on university campuses. In fact, the underbelly of university campuses have been revealed. Ideological warfare there. Where because of the lack of leadership, no one seems to be managing it well. And it seems as though we have these displaced loyalties and these helicopter administrators that are trying to protect students from themselves. All along, we thought they were adults, but maybe not. But it really highlights a problem when you are an invited guest to this country to attend the premier learning institutions that we have located here. What is the standard of conduct that they should live up to? And is there any accountability while they're here? Well, it seems not, because these university administrators are so afraid, I think, to lose the tuition dollar, they'll go to the extreme to protect these visitor students who hold a visa to come educate themselves here. In fact, most recently, MIT even made the case. There was a demonstration that was held this past Thursday in Lobby 7, which is the entrance to MIT. The university regulations specifically prohibit demonstrations occurring at that site because that is the main ingress-egress to a, a multitude of buildings, and it is a problem. They've been informing the protesters that they must not protest there. And they, they, they did. Some Jewish students showed up as well. Because the Palestinian groups were not allowing the Jewish students to progress through the area to get to their class. After exhausting all other avenues, they say, for de-escalating the, situa- the situation, 
the administration informed all protesters that they must leave the air lobby area within a set time or they would be subject to suspension is the warning that rang through the halls of MIT. Many of them chose to leave, and they cooperated. However, some did not, and the administration had to continue and engage in dialogue with these students all day. Are you kidding me? So anyway, when it came to what the consequences were going to be, a lot of people were asking, okay, we finally got this under control. They've entirely disrupted the lives of so many students in the campus for an elongated period of time, not to mention the angst and anxiety that Jewish students have while attending MIT, because it's obvious that the rhetoric and the hate and the vitriol that's being directed towards them is untenable. But the administration chose the following. They basically put these violators on some sort of animal house double secret probation. Now, why could that be? Well, it turns out that they heard that there could be serious concerns about consequences for the students, such as, you guessed it, visa issues. So they decided as an interim action that the students who remained after the deadline will be suspended from non-academic campus activities. Because when you're here on a student visa, if you don't go to class or you're not enrolled for a period of time, you lose the privilege of the invite that this country grants you to educate oneself within the territorial confine of the United States of America. So MIT, that forward-thinking organization, figured out, wait a minute, there's a sanction for their behavior. What can we do to figure out how we can circumvent that and I guess serve some greater good from whom I don't know? The net effect, the students will remain enrolled at MIT. Of course, they'll be able to attend their academic classes and labs, and they don't get deported. So how is this going to work in the future? It would seem to me now at MIT, it's going to be even worse, right? And it probably has already happened Again, we just don't know about it because no one, it's going to go into the underground because no one's going to reveal anything because they may lose their student visa. So we'll continue to be the helicopter administrators to work around these issues for their silly conduct, their immature conduct, their lack of respect, not only for this country, but for you, each and every individual taxpayer, because if you don't believe that at some level you're financing this, you're sadly mistaken.
a lot of what we're seeing in the universities now are not being led by American students. They're being led by foreign students who are invited here. It's an invitation. It's not a right. You are an invitee. I don't know about you, but if invitees come to my house and engage in disruptive behavior, they're asked to leave. Plain and simple. You play by the university rules. And the university rules should prevail. And we should have leaders in the universities that are willing to step up and do the right thing for the benefit of this country. To send the message that we're not going to tolerate this ignorance that's being perpetuated across these university campuses. In my mind, they are developing the perfect storm for this to go on. And there are so many stories about what's happening on campuses today and administrators for whatever reason are unwilling to play the role of a credible leader to deal with the situations to bring your campuses back into order to clearly delineate what the rules are and to make sure that everyone that attends there feels safe, not just some for the sake of the dollar. That seems to be what's happening. A University of Pennsylvania student who proclaimed she felt empowered and happy on a day Hamas terrorists launched their deadly attack against Israeli citizens, civilians, has since been busted for stealing an Israeli flag on campus. Oh, big surprise. Let us wonder whether or not she will be deported and whether or not she will be uninvited to stay in this country and educate oneself. Tara Tarani, a 2020 graduate of King's Academy in Madaba, Jordan, was arrested for allegedly stealing an Israeli flag from the front of campus apartments house near the Ivy League campus. The district attorney's office charged her. She once penned a column decrying settler colonism and as a violent machine. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.